Good morning, and welcome back to Coffee Books. We are reading through The Curious Barista's Guide to Coffee by Tristan Stevenson. Let's continue. Chapter 6 Espresso Introduction Ten years ago, it would have been easy to convince the average consumer that espresso and a drink space around the espresso is the only acceptable way to drink coffee when out of the home. It was true, after all, that espresso was riding a 50-year rolling wave of domination, shaping the coffee shops of the Western world and beyond. Indeed, when I first learned how to make good coffee, I held the strong belief that coffee prepared any other way simply would not do. Baristas were generally in agreement that big, watery cups of black coffee with, heaven forbid, absolutely no crema, see pages 109 to 111, were an altogether inferior product. I do look back on those days of pursuing the God shot with a great sense of nostalgia, though, and it's with a sense of focused enthusiasm that I hope to discuss the subject with you, dear reader. And focus is as good a place to start as any, since that's what espresso is really, finely ground coffee and pressurized hot water served in concentrated form. I once heard Stephen Morrissey, the 2008 World Barista Champion, describe making an espresso as like looking at coffee through a magnifying glass. I personally like it, liken it to watching cars race through a pair of binoculars, where mastering the difficult job of following a fast-moving object will reward you with excellent clarity of the spectacle, the downside being the apparent ease with which you can miss the mark entirely. A shot of espresso is an honest and unforgiving thing. It celebrates attention to detail by highlighting what may be excellent about a coffee and laughs at your bad practices by tasting intensely bad. The variables may seem a small set, grind size, dosage, extraction time, and beverage weight, but the margin for error is enormous. Even when all the variables are fixed through a complex balancing act, an espresso machine and grinder can still produce unexpected results and coffee that ends up down the drain. Why then do we bother? Wouldn't it be easier if every cafe just made a big pot of coffee in the morning to last the whole day? Well, part of the allure is perhaps the seemingly endless customization of the espresso that has fostered our enduring love of the espresso bar. The simple mixture of water, coffee, and milk can be bought and savored in a remarkable range of styles and options these days, and we will discuss some of these in the following section, pages 112 through 125. Then there is the freshly made convenience of the whole thing. It takes little more than 30 seconds to extract an espresso, which is a great deal quicker than any other brewing method in this book. The ritual of the barista comes into this, too. Like an engine driver mastering an infernal machine, the barista moves around with practiced grace, his or her actions punctuated by a sharp hisses of the steam and a low whir of the pump. The espresso machine is an icon of the modern cafe, and indeed modern life, as much a part of the coffee shop as the beer font is to the bar. The History of the Espresso Machine 
To better understand how the espresso machine works and what it does, we must ask ourselves why it was needed. Before the espresso machine appeared, coffee brewing was more often than not a lengthy process. Not unlike the cafes of today, people weren't at all impressed with having to wait around for something that they believe should be made available very quickly. As a result of this, the common practice in coffee shops was to brew in bulk, then either reheat or hold the coffee over a heat source, dishing it out on demand to those awaiting their caffeine fix. Today, there are many modern pieces of equipment that satisfy this demand in a highly effective manner, though none so quickly as the espresso machine. However, in the early 20th century, it meant stewed, over-extracted, and insipid cups of black soot. The only effective solution would be a brewer that could make a single cup in under a minute, over and over again. And the only way to brew coffee very quickly is to grind it much finer, increasing the surface area of the coffee grounds and therefore the contact with the brewing water. Finer grounds meant that less water was required for proper extraction, but this posed its own problems when it came to filtering the coffee back out of the liquid, since the particles of coffee were so small. A very fine filter would go some way towards solving this, but it didn't address the problem of percolation, where gravity alone would not be sufficient to make the water pass through such a tight package of grounds. The only solution was pressure. By pressurizing the brewing water, the coffee could be ground much finer still and in itself form a restrictive barrier for the water to pass through. As such, paper and cloth filters were out of the question, since they wouldn't be capable of withstanding the forces at play. If the water pressure remained constant, the rate of extraction could be adjusted by changing the fineness of the grind and the dose of the coffee. Although some espresso machines can now have their pressure adjusted, it is 9 bar, or 9 times the pressure exerted by the Earth's own atmosphere, that was the number that was finally settled upon. To put it another way, imagine a 90 meter or 300 foot pipe protruding vertically out of the top of an espresso machine, and that pipe being filled to the top with near boiling water. That is the kind of force that is exerted by an espresso machine today. Steam Power it was the late 19th century, and Europe's near-100-year love of everything steam-powered continued to puff along. Manufacturing a near-instant pressurized coffee brewer in the 19th century was not at all easy, though. Glass and metal components were not produced in the style of modern manufacturing methods, and when placed under high pressure, explosions were frighteningly commonplace. The earliest design for a precursor to an espresso machine that I have come across is from a patent field, a patent filed in 1878 by the not very Italian sounding Gustav Kessel. He was German. Kessel's machine used steam pressure to force water through a small bed of coffee and even produced a blast of steam at the end to dry the puck of spent coffee for easy removal. It made a single serve beverage quickly and efficiently but there was one major flaw. It was impossible to build. It was another six years before a machine similar to Kessel's contraption was actually built. Although all we have to go on is an old patent for its design, it was an Italian entrepreneur by the name of Angelo Moriondo, who in 1884 presented a working example of his new steam machinery 
for the economic and instantaneous confection of coffee beverage at the Turin General Exposition. This early steam-driven espresso machine worked in a similar fashion to the pumping per percolator of the early 1820s by using steam pressure to force water through a bed of coffee. Moriando's machine was a much more serious piece of bar top kit, however, and undoubtedly the earliest known machine that controlled steam and water in two independent boilers, a hallmark of the modern espresso machine. But despite all that, Moriando's machine did not produce single-serve espresso as we know it. It was effectively a bulk brewer that operated at a faster rate than normal. Perhaps that was why he only won a bronze medal at the General Exposition. Moriando guarded his invention jealously, though tinkering with the design over the years following its unveiling and manufacturing only a handful of the machines for his own stores. Sadly, there are no known confirmed examples of Moriando machines still in existence today. The world would have to wait until 1901 for the first commercially manufactured single-serve coffee maker and a further two years for all the teething issues to be ironed out. We'll leave off here today in the middle of page 98. Thank you for listening. Good day and good coffee, friends.